and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Hi, I'm Byron Tyler. Always a pleasure to get together with our listeners in the area and talk about issues, events, concerns, and things that affect you and your family. Today, I'm really looking forward to introducing you to our guest today. Dwayne Williams is here in the studio. He's the Executive Director of Restoration Now. There's a conference coming up called the Compassion Conference at Independent Presbyterian Church. We've got a lot of details to give you, but before we go any further, Dwayne, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Well, you were telling me as we were kind of setting things up that you've been a longtime listener to this radio station. Yes, I have. I've enjoyed listening to 640 AM for a long, long time. Pretty much, I was raised as a Christian on 640. First got saved, and I was directed to listen to this radio station. And I began listening to it and listening to the Bible, teaching and preaching on it. Woodrow Crow, not a good day unless it's a godly day. Yeah, that's right. Jay Vernon McGee talking about put the cookies on the bottom shelf where the kids can reach them. <laughs> John MacArthur, grace to you and Adventures in Odyssey. Listen to that with my son on Saturday mornings in the car. Just a lot of great memories of, of just growing up as a Christian on 640 and, and be sustained and be fed by the word that I've been hearing for so many years. Then impact me and teach me a lot of theology and doctrine wow. that's been impactful in my life and helped me in my walk in my life with my wife and my two boys. So yeah. I've enjoyed it. You and your wife, Brandy, as you mentioned, have two sons. One of your sons, oldest son, uh, Christian, I believe, is in the Navy. Yes. And he just came home, what, for a visit? Yes. He was on deployment in Japan with the Marines. He's a Navy corpsman, so he stationed with Marines. And so he just got back from Japan, he and his wife, Carmaine, and came home uh, yesterday. How about that? Yes. Yeah, so we're excited a, to have him here. I know you are. I, there's several, of course, military bases in Japan, uh, Air Force and Navy, and, of course, you said Marines and our family, we served as missionaries back in the mid-1990s on the island of Guam. And so Guam is about 1,500 miles from Tokyo. And used to be when you traveled from the U.S. to go to Guam, you had to stop in Tokyo. That time, I think it was uh, Northwest Airlines had a hotel in Norita. You had to lay over and spend the night in their hotel at the Radisson. And then they got up the next day and took the three-hour flight to Guam. So I don't know if your son's had any time to to visit the island of Guam or not while he's in that area. He's, he's only been in the jungle areas. He yeah. he go. that's what he complains about. I go there and all I see is the jungle and I see the barracks. That's all I see. We don't get to go out and explore anything that's, that's else. All he sees. <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, it's interesting, and I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but there's a Japanese network called NHK Tokyo, and they broadcast Japanese news and stories. I have Roku on my home TV, and they have these apps, and I have their app, and I watch some of the most wonderful documentaries. You might want to look it up. You can see what life like is in Japan. They take these tours on bicycles and trains. Mm. You can discover a lot about Japan. Check that out sometime. Oh, I'll check it out. But your youngest son, you were telling me, you have two sons, Christian and mm-hmm. Kylan. You were telling me something that just broke my heart just now that happened within, what, less than a year ago? Yes. Uh, my son, he passed away last July at his birthday party. My son, Kylan, was born with cerebral palsy, special needs child, and 20 years and every year we celebrate his birthday like it's, it's, it's a main event. And we always called him Superman. And we were having a Superman hero party. We all had shirts made. And thanks to Elliot, who makes those shirts called Superman. And so we were all celebrating about 70 to almost 100 people. And while we were celebrating, he just had a heart attack and passed away. We had no idea, of course. you know. But my son has been admitted to the hospital in the Bonner over 100 different admissions. Had pneumonia over 90 different times. And. He never walked to talk. He had a trach. He had a G-tube. He had multiple seizures every day on 18 different kinds of medication, five different kinds of seizure medicines. We always had to change his diapers all the time. I was, my job was to pick him up and to carry him, put him in his wheelchairs and get him to the doctor's appointments and to love on him and kiss on him. And 
all those things. And uh, he has such a presence in our house and in our family and in our community because the community would come out to celebrate Kyle and his birthdays. For a person who never walked the talk, he taught us so much, taught me so much. I used to always sing to him, Jesus loves me, this I know. And I said, why? Because the Bible tells me so. And I would just sing that to him, and I would tell him that he hears you, he sees you, Jesus knows you. He's, he's not forgotten about you. He cares for you in your state and your condition. And, uh, and so that would encourage me a walking around talking center. Right, it would encourage me, and then I would often tell my wife, I say, if I could just learn to just trust in Christ the way my boy trusts in us to bring the food, to provide the shelter, to change the diaper. He doesn't toil or spin, as Jesus said, the flowers do. He doesn't worry about what's going to come. He just rests. And if I could rest in Christ the way he does, I'd be further along. I'd be, I'd be a much more mature Christian is what I would be. Oh. And so just to watch him just live and the things he suffered physically so much, so often, and stayed strong and had such this will to live because he should have died multiple times, many, many times. He just should have died. But he kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Although he couldn't say anything to us, uh, we just loved him and cared for him and prayed, and God just brought him over to this point. And one of our prayers that we had was that we prayed this prayer a long time ago, and it's odd for people to hear it. We prayed that he would die before us because yeah. we took care of him. Yes. No one else took care of him. No one can take care of him like we can. No. And that, that we wouldn't have to make a decision on how he would die. Yeah. But God would just take him. And that Saturday afternoon, he was fine that morning. We were all having a great time. Everybody celebrating. Then, as my mama said, she says it best. She said, he just slipped away. I was just thinking, Dwayne, as you're sharing this story, it's sad. There's joy here mm. because in the middle of this birthday celebration, he transferred from the celebration here on earth into a bigger celebration Amen. with Jesus. Amen. We're going to see Kylan again. What he's a, going to be walking. And he's going to have yes. a, I'm going to hear his voice <laughs> and all those things that I haven't heard. My wife, we often talk about, we, we envision him sitting on a pier in heaven. He's kind of waiting. I know he's praising Jesus and enjoying being in front of the Lord, but I think he's often taking time. So I'm just waiting on my mom and daddy to come. <laughs> oh, my. You were raised in Hernando. This area is quite familiar with you. This is home turf. As you mentioned, your wife, Brandy, have been married. How long have you been married? 16 years, going on 17 years. Okay. Graduated from Hernando High University of Mississippi. Also, you've served as a youth pastor. And you were formerly, I thought this is interesting, the Parks and Recreation Director for the city of Hernando. Not formally. I still do that. You still do that? Mm -hmm. So the work you do as the executive director, you're kind of bivocational then in the yeah. ministry and doing that. Okay, I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. So got to ask you this because, you know, we see this Parks and Recreation show on television, you know. Yes. What's it like to be a Park and Recreation I director? I got way more interesting stories <laughs> than what you see on television. <laughs> I bet you do. Way, way more. <laughs> it is a wild scene in Park and Recreation. I love the job. I love serving people. I am a believer doing this job. So it's a ministry for me because it forces all of us to be able to come together and to build these relationships and these dynamics that happen in parks and recreation just because of who I am. And I get a chance to be around all these people and when I see their families grow and flourish yeah. and see their kids and yeah. enjoy things and whatnot. So it's a great job. It's a great opportunity. So what's the most unusual thing that's happened to you so far in your position as director of Parks and Rec? Oh, we have some very unusual things. But a strange request that we had one time, uh, we had this one parent who wanted us to change all of the basketball practices so this parent could wash their kids' hair at a certain time at night. He <laughs> <laughs> wanted to change basketball practice for 400 kids. <laughs> so, this, so this daughter could get her hair washed at a certain time of the night and whatnot. So we're like, that's a strange request. We can't really do that, though. But, 
But yeah, we have we have some odd stories about parks and recreation. Oh, yeah. that's pretty neat. Restoration now, of course, you're serving primarily DeSoto County with this work. When did this organization become a reality, and how long has it been committed to meeting the homeless needs of the people living in DeSoto County? Restoration now began as an organization before I got there. They were doing uh, community bills type thing. They were repairing homes and doing house repair work and cleanup in DeSoto County. That's mainly what their function was. And then so when they hired me to come on, they wanted to expand that that role. And I brought my philosophy and strategy because I also have, a, I have West End Ministries, which is not a nonprofit organization. Now, what ministry was that? West End Ministries. Okay. So I do that, and it's just something just, I just do. And so from that, that philosophy and strategy of West End Ministry, I brought that over to Restoration Now to be able to do it in the nonprofit sector. And, and that's simply to connect with state agencies and other nonprofits and then to go out and connect with churches and, and get the needs met for individuals. Right. Tell me about the homeless population in DeSoto County. What stands out to you about this particular? It's not an oxymoron, number one. It's not an oxymoron to say homeless in DeSoto County because there are homeless people in DeSoto County. I think the poverty rate is about 13 or 14 percent. And people see DeSoto County as a very affluent place, uh, which it is. It's one of the fastest growing counties in the state of Mississippi, Mississippi, but also in the country. Yes, yes. And so we're doing well in DeSoto County, but we also have people who are homeless there. And the homeless look a little bit different in DeSoto County. They live in cars, they live in abandoned houses, and they live in the woods. So we, we recognize that, and we see that people who are, even people who are the working poor, may come across a situation that impacts them to where they become homeless all of a sudden. And so now we have to try to, to kick in and see what we can do to help people out. Dwayne, so that we don't become immune to situations that cause people to become homeless, why don't you remind us some of the situations that bring people to becoming homeless? Number one, the misnomer is people think that being lazy or shiftless is a reason that many people become homeless. It could be divorce. It could be just simply just gotten laid off from a job. It could be in the way you get laid off from a job or even get fired. Maybe you have a car and you're traveling 30 and 40 minutes to a job, but then because you are working and you are already poor, uh, you have a part, your car breaks down. You can't afford that part. Now you can't afford the part. The car won't run. The car won't run. You can't get to work. You can't get to work. You lose your job. Yeah. You lose your job. You lose your home. You become homeless. Sometimes mental illness has a big role in people becoming homeless. So you have many different factors that go around why people become homeless. And so I don't want anybody just to think, well, they're just lazy and not trying. That's not always the case. Yeah. We say if they'll just get off the drugs, if they'll just get a real job, they can change and do better for themselves. Right. But that's right. not always the case. And also, there's the issue, you, you, we're talking a lot here about single homelessness. Something that has surprised me lately is to hear about family homelessness, mm-hmm. and that's a big issue, too. Yes, it so is. So what percentage of families are you seeing in DeSoto well, County homeless? Most, most of the people that we service are single parents. So we, we, we deal with a lot of single women, mostly African-American women that we're working with. And we also do see a husband and wives that are homeless. We've had situations where a husband and wife and two children living in cars. So we have to work with those extreme situations like that. But that population is definitely growing. It's, well, it's there. Right. And I always tell people, one homeless person is too many. So we don't want to just say, well, it's just only one or two or just a few. Still too many. We need to figure out ways to serve them in a systematic way and figure out what the systemic issues are as to why they're in the situation. And so we try to we flesh all of that out. I read a book by Tim Keller a long time ago called The Ministries of Mercy. And he talks about these concentric circles. And he talks about the physical need, the social need, the psychological and theological need, and how churches often will deal with the physical need, provide food, shelter, clothes, 
And then they want to go straight to preaching the gospel. And they wonder, why don't they ever come to our church? We haven't built any relationship with them. We need to deal with the social need of the person, the psychological need of the person before we get to the theological. All of those are very important. And so that's what we're trying to do when we service these families. We care and love for them. When we show compassion to them, we're trying to be holistic in this whole endeavor, not just to find out what the systemic reason why they are homeless, but also how can we help them in a holistic way yeah. to build them up. Here in the Memphis area, we've got shelters like Calvary Rescue Mission, Memphis Union Mission. Are there similar shelters set up like that in DeSoto County? No shelters in DeSoto County. We need a shelter in DeSoto County. There's no place for a homeless person to go uh, that's in a crisis situation or any person to go that's in a crisis. What if your house burns down? No place for you to go in a crisis situation. So what we have to do, we have to talk with different hotels and, and put people in hotels and extended stays and whatnot or or get them into Shelby County. Abusive situations, too, where someone is, needs to get out of that situation. That It's a hostile environment for mom and her kids. They need to get out of that situation, too. I'm sure those arise on occasion. Yes, they are. Uh, I just talked with a lady uh, who was over a, a ministry that deals with abused women, and she said 98% of homeless women have been abused. 98% of homeless women have been abused. Yes, that's a reality, and we have to work in that and try to get all of the – that's what is psychological – uh, part comes in how we address those issues. Is there a network among homeless people themselves? Yes, yes, that goes on. I, I've been told I'm trying to find these places they call tent cities in DeSoto County. I'm trying to find where they are. Uh, but yes, you do have people in Shelby County that we share so many resources uh, in this tri-state area of Shelby, of, of Tennessee, Mississippi, and Arkansas. And then Shelby County, Memphis, we share resources between DeSoto County, Shelby County, and whatnot. So we're also sharing homeless population. We're also sharing these other issues that, that we have to, to address also. And so, yes, people travel across the state line and come to Mississippi, and people from Mississippi travel and go to Tennessee because they're searching for needs, so they're searching trying to get somewhere. Right. And so, yes, that happens. Uh, how, Dwayne, do you address the issue of homelessness on a daily basis? Well, we, we don't have uh, a situation where we have people, in, in uh, just a group of people that we're working with constantly. Uh, what we do is, as people come to us by way of recommendation or referral, uh, we we then contact them. We we set up a meeting. We get them in front of a social worker who does an assessment on them, and then we have a team of volunteers that will meet with them. And then we start our comprehensive plan. We start to figure out what what goals do you want accomplished. We make them the center of what we're trying to do. We're not trying to go in and dictate their life. We're trying to get them to tell us what they want to be, what they want to do, what they want to accomplish. And then I build a support team around them. Yeah. And so I go to churches and then I'll form compassion teams at churches and I'll train them on how to show compassion because I believe churches have forgotten how to show compassion. And churches oftentimes they outsource that to nonprofits and parachurch ministries and whatnot. So I'm trying to reverse that and get right. churches back involved in that based on Luke chapter 10. And that's one of the things we talked about at our conference last year when Brian Fickert came and spoke. One of the things I talked about was putting a person on your own horse. Because that's what the Good Samaritan did. When he saw the man bloody and beaten on the side of the road, he went to him and he bandaged him up and he put him on his own horse. He didn't put him on somebody else's horse. So oftentimes we want to put people on someone else's horse. Let's put them on this ministry's horse, that ministry's horse, this person's horse, the government horse, all those different horses where Christ left you behind. Your church is there for a reason. Not just a call, but it's a command. Yes. So let's teach churches how to put people on their own horse because churches have better support systems within the church. We're believers. We're, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. God who called everything out of nothing. This is who we serve. It's who we worship. So, yes, we can do this work. You think we're afraid to step into that? 
Yes. Or, or you think we just were so consumed with our own well-being? You both know? and. It's both of those. We're afraid to step into it because we're afraid of being abused, right? And this is why I talk with churches. Churches say, I want to help, but I don't know how to help. And last time we tried to do it, we were kind of taken advantage of and those kinds of things. So we really don't want to do it anymore. We want to be good stewards of God's resources, right? I'm trying to help churches understand, yes, you're going to be taken advantage of sometimes. You're not going to get it all the time. Somebody's going to lie to you sometimes. It's just going to happen. But we're going to do the best we can with coming up with a really good plan to show this person dignity and love and walk them through the process. So as churches hold individuals accountable and families accountable, Restoration Now holds churches accountable to make sure they're staying on top of serving this person and this family. Another issue that you guys address is to help prevent children from entering the state custody. And, yes. Uh, are you pretty successful in doing that? Yes. Uh, we work with Child Protection Services. Uh, they'll contact us and say, look, Dwayne, we don't have the resources for dealing with this situation. If this parent, for instance, this parent, that they need just an air conditioning in the home because the home has been too hot, living in a hot trailer. The home is just too hot, and someone's called me in maybe a couple of times. All they need is an air conditioning. $300 air condition, and you keep these kids from going into custody. I'll go and find the church and say, look, this is what we need. This is what's going on. Church, go and buy the air condition. And then I can then connect the, the individual with the church and start this process of finding out what other issues are going on. So now this person has a support system, which we all need a support system. We all need one, don't we? Yes. Okay, this is the second annual Compassion Conference. It's coming up on April 5th and 6th. What is the primary focus of the conference? You started this again last year. You got this one coming up at Independent Presbyterian Church. Yes, and our keynote speaker this time is Michael Rose, who works at MCUT. He's a professor there, and he's over the Community Transformation Director, and he's wonderful, wonderful, passionate guy doing great ministry uh, in in Memphis, in South Memphis in particular. I'm so impressed with what he's doing. But our goal is to create awareness about this homeless situation in DeSoto County and also People in Shelby kind of know it's there, but then how can we create the awareness in your in your heart that's going to push you towards serving the people and serving them in a, in a different way, not just in a in a uh, uh, soup line way, right? Right, where you just serve them, but in a potluck way, where we all sit down at the table and we come up with a plan on how to serve, and we all bring our gifts and talents, and we show this person dignity as they bring their gifts and talents and sit down and we figure this thing out. And so we want to create awareness, of course. We also want to educate people and train people and then point people toward resources that are available to them, that are around, that the state's doing, that nonprofits are doing, uh, and, and just really help people to get exposure to what this is like to be homeless or to be the working poor in Shelby County and in DeSoto County. And I think this goes back and answers the question you just had a moment ago where somebody says, you know, I want to help, but I don't know what to do. I'm willing to get into messy situations, but I don't know where to begin. And so what a perfect opportunity, this conference, the Compassion Conference, Friday, April 5th through April 6th at Independent Presbyterian Church at 4738 Walnut Grove Road. There is a fee to come, and that will help offset some of the cost to put this conference on. The fee is $40 a ticket. Uh, we have that, and that, that's for uh, one day, and then we have a two day because we're doing the April fifth and sixth, and so there's a two day uh, ticket also, and so we, yeah, we want people to come out to this conference at Independent Press, and we love the fact that Independent Press offered to host it this year. Uh, the pastor Sean Lucas is, uh, is is being visionary in what he's trying to do as far as impacting and making a difference, and not just having us or having people that part of his church only just serve in a certain kind of way, but let's be strategic. Let's be thoughtful in this process. Let's be biblical in this whole process. Let's add on to what the church is already doing 
to expand the ministry and to help people in, in, in more meaningful ways. Yes. And as you mentioned, the church has the resource. The biggest one is the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And if we would engage issues like this, what the church can do, the responsibility of this is not government agencies, as you said. This right. is the responsibility of God's people, the church of Jesus Christ. And this is a great opportunity, again, to come together. Okay, now, how do you get your tickets, or how do you learn more information about this conference? You can go to our website at restoration-now.org. That's restoration-now.org, and you'll be able to find all the conference information there. You can look us up on Facebook, Restoration Now, and you'll be able to see information there also, and, and you can just go and click on it and get your ticket. And there's also ongoing opportunities to volunteer, I'm assuming, with projects and things that you do? On well, home? yes, yes. You know, we, we've done uh, home repair projects where we get people together to replace roofs or to do work in, work in house and houses and things like that, clean up yards, clean up houses. So we, we also do that, too. That's a primary part of Restoration Now. That's one of the pillars of Restoration Now, along, and then along with this training component where we come to your church. We'll train your staff, your leadership team, about how to show compassion. And I always encourage people, don't just get your deacons and your pastors and whatnot, but find other members in the church to get them involved. Uh, We work with many churches in DeSoto County. Some churches have several compassion teams at their church. And so we also also have that part of it, too, where we train you. I read an article that was written about a year or so ago in one of the local papers mentioned that Restoration Now – is designed to tear down walls that separate people of different races and ethnicities, ideologies and beliefs, and uniting them under the banner of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It sounds really great, but I want you to give us ways that you've seen, you've actually witnessed this reality of your dream of this. Yeah, it's not part of our philosophy statement, right? It's not part of our vision or mission statement. It's just intrinsic. I'm a black man, and I've worked with many churches and I work with many with different races. And so just naturally, we come together. Naturally, we have to work with each other. Naturally, if, if people want to be a part of this, many of the people that we work with are black people or Hispanic people. Not all of them, but many of them are. And it's just so encouraging to see these different churches of different races just step right on in and say, I don't care about their race. I just care about them seeing who Christ is. So we, get, we want people to either know, to come to know Jesus and get saved, or well, they already say just because you put them in, you're not saved. You already say we want you to grow in Christ. But we all want to, we want you to also become self-sustaining uh, too. Yes. And so we see this thing that happens naturally. We see these churches that come together, and we see people come to Christ in these different ministries and or different churches that they probably never have gone to. But because Christ is center point, all those things that makes us different is peripheral, it's secondary, tertiary. That's right. Christ is primary, and so when you have relationship built and you're serving that person, you're loving that person then they can, the differences that you have, they can push those to the side because that's not primary. They're looking at the fact that I know you love me and you care for me and you're investing your time in me and you don't have to do it. But we do have to do it, right? Because Christ not only called us, but he commanded us to do it. So we got to go. This is what encourages me so much that I have to go. So many people have decided to go with us in doing this work of putting people on our own horse. I like that, Dwayne. You know, as you say, the church has the answers for issues of racial unity, poverty. We can make a difference. In the gospel, we don't have to compromise, let people know how much you really care. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus did. What a better place to do that in the deep south is what it said. We live in the deep south, in Mississippi, in Tennessee, where people feel like racism is born and bred here, right? But we know it's all over the country and all over the world. But I see often these opportunities of people coming together. And I'm not blind to the fact that, yes, there are issues with race and whatnot and discrimination and 
bigotry. I know that's there and that's the reality. But we get a chance to 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 work with people and help them to work through those things. Because as I'm engaged in the church, they're saying, look, we want to reach out to people that are different than we are. We, we want to be Ephesians 2, 11. Jesus has torn down the wall of partition between Jews and Gentiles. We want Christ. Christ has reconciled us before God. We need to be reconciled with one another. So we need to have this horizontal relationship while we got this vertical relationship. And so to see those things happening and work people, walk people through that process, very encouraging. Yes, it is. Very encouraging. And so that's why I want to tell people there's hope. We've come a long way. We've got a long ways to go. But right here in the middle of here, we are, we, we're working. <laughs> oh, my friend, you're lifting me up today. Let me tell you, just your enthusiasm, your excitement for what God can do in our area through the gospel, through people who are concerned and want to offer compassion. This is great. Again, the Compassion Conference. Friend, you want to go ahead and get information. You want to get your tickets. Pray for this conference and the continued outreach of Restoration Now. But again, the conference is going to be April 5th through the 6th at Independent Presbyterian Church, 4738 Walnut Grove Road. That's in Memphis. But listen, you need to go to the website and order tickets online, right? Yes. Restoration-now.org. Restoration-now.org. Yeah, go to that website and learn more. Register. Tell your friends, too. Come together as a team. Churches, this is great, too. I guess you're available, Dwayne, if pastors might want you to come and share your vision, Restoration Now. They're looking for ways to partner with an organization like yours. This would be, you could come and talk to their groups. Yes, I would love to be able to come to any pastor or ministry and come and talk with you about Restoration Now. And I'll try not to preach if I get there. <laughs> but but it's, it's difficult because we are passionate about what we're doing, and we just know that if this can grow within the church, we want the church to model the behavior that Christ left behind. And so when churches are sending people as missionaries far away, I want to do reverse missionary work. I want to send people who are near. I don't want to send people far. I want to send people local is what I want to do. Everybody say, eat local and buy local. We ought to be worshiping local. We ought to be serving local, too. And so I'm trying to get people to understand we need to do local work. So Jesus said in Acts chapter number one, verse eight, he says, you'll tell people about me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and in the outermost parts of the world. And so let's start where we are. Let's start in our households. Let's start in our neighborhoods. Let's start in our cities, our towns, in our county. And then we grow it out from there is what I want to try to train churches to do. Dwayne Williams. Wow. This has been great. Thank you so much, my dear brother in Christ, for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom through Restoration Now. We just pray God's blessing on the Compassion Conference as it comes up. Friends will go and learn more how they can be compassionate in the name of Christ. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me, Byron. Thank God for you. God bless you. Friends, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. It's been a pleasure to have Dwayne stop by and tell us about the Compassion Conference at Independent Presbyterian Church, April 5th and 6th. Please learn more at that website, restoration-now.org. All the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint, I'm Byron Tyler. Thanks for stopping by. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. 